It's certainly a privilege for me to be tonight in Sturgis, Michigan. I've looked forward to coming for some time to have a little time of fellowship with my good brother and friend, Brother Jackson. It's a kind of a surprise to both of us, I suppose, of getting to come. I've been promising for some time that perhaps we'd get a chance to advertise and get a, a meeting up here for eight or ten days, perhaps. And then seeing the itinerary being so crowded, I just had to run in for a night or two to have a little fellowship with Brother Jackson. And I'm certainly glad to be here. Looked like the, the weather almost is going to keep us away for a while, but the Lord looked like come to our rescue and melted a little snow off the highways, and so we got to come up today. And we're trusting God for a good time of fellowship with his little church here. When I called him, I said, uh, Brother Jackson, or rather when he called me, he, he, we was talking about it, and he said, well, I said, we'll have it at your church. He said, Brother Branham, we got a little bitty church. And I said, well, that'll be all right. I said, no matter how little it is, that we can get in there to have some fellowship anyhow. <laughs> That's what we desire and what all Christians like. There's nothing that will take the place of real fellowship with one another. There's something about it that's so real. When we get over this little shadow that we're passing through now called the earth journey and we arrive on the other side, then it'll be an eternal fellowship. When this little type that we have here merges into eternity, when time and eternity merges together. Now, um, we are uh, starting, this is my first really meeting after the first of the year, our first time to meet with anyone with a little time of fellowship. We don't call it a meeting, I mean, gathering, campaign. And I knew that I was going to have to hurry to get up here because the, the itinerary was filled up and it would be some time before I could ever get here. And Mr. Moore called me last night, and now we're scheduled plumbing till way in June or sometime. Already in probably time to get home, it'll be up until next September. It'll be about four nights' time to let the itinerary loose. We go from here to um, Owensboro, Kentucky, from there to New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, then back to Minneapolis, Minnesota, then to Shreveport, and then from there to Houston, then to Phoenix, and from Phoenix to um, Old Mexico, down in a big arena there in Old Mexico, and then from there we go to Anchorage, Alaska, and I think from there perhaps a big tent will be set up somewhere in the Southlands where they're fixing now. We're getting a tent, a nice big tent, seat about 12,000 people or better, and aiming to stay around four to six weeks in our meetings, make it a little longer than what we have been doing for the time of, and sake of while we're having our American meetings. It's been a great thing to journey around this old globe and fellowship with God's children everywhere. And you know, I come to find out whether they're Swedish, Norwegian, German, African, or wherever they are, they're all the same when they come to Christ. It makes everybody the same. There's no difference in people. I maybe can't speak their language, but there's something about them, you know, that you can tell that it's a brother. And uh, that's the real part of it, after all. <clears throat> and so, uh, this great state of Michigan... It's, uh, I believe this is my second time of ever being here. I was at Benton Harp. No, I beg your pardon. It was um, where they make all the cornflakes and things. Um, Battle Creek. Battle Creek. That's Battle Creek a few nights. And um, 
was up there and had a lovely meeting with the brethren up there. And I had to drop off right in the heat of the meeting on account of the vision sending me over to another city. And I've always thought I ought to go back and finish that. And the Lord would let me someday to go back to Battle Creek and finish that meeting. Was having the healing campaigns at that time and had a wonderful time. But uh, I was setting out to a little lake one day of praying and I kept hearing something going on. I thought I was still at the lake. And then he called me to another place and, and I had to go right away. And so he works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, doesn't he? Certainly wonderful. Now, <clears throat> tonight, we are grateful for Brother Jackson. It's a sponsor of this meeting. I guess probably this is probably the members of his church and so forth. And we're grateful to be here to meet together in this uh, a school auditorium. We're grateful for the school that let us have this gym room here for this meeting. The Lord bless the school and bless Brother Jackson and all you members and all you people that's here tonight. And may each night tonight, tomorrow night, and Sunday afternoon prove to be a great spiritual outpouring of his blessings to you. We are, don't represent any denomination church. We just come in as the servants of the Lord Jesus, trying to serve him and do the best we can for his people and with his people while we're in the journey. I was thinking on the road up today as Brother Collins back there, a Methodist minister that's with us, and also to Brother Beeler, that's, I believe he held a meeting here sometime, Brother Beeler did, at Brother Jackson's church. And um, we were, uh, and Brother Woods and Sister Woods, which is in the main campaigns as our agents for books. And we were talking, I said, well, you know, uh, uh, Michigan is uh, a beautiful state, a lot of green trees and lakes and so forth. And me being a fisherman and hunter, I, I'm just right at home here in Michigan to begin with. And I certainly appreciate the opportunity. Now, <clears throat> to me, the reading and the meditation of God's Word is the main thing in any meeting. I didn't get any time tonight. I rested just a little. I, brother come told me that there was some ladies, the young ladies here, playing accordion and singing. And maybe tomorrow night I can get in time to hear some of that. So I, I love singing, don't you? Oh, there's something about singing. I never could sing. And I've often told people now when earth journey is over and we all get to glory and you hear somebody standing way back down there uh, behind the trees of life on the other side and out of a little cabin singing, nothing between my soul and the Savior, or amazing grace would be better. <laughs> you say, oh, Brother Branham finally made it. That's him over there. Just having a good time. I believe the Lord will give me a voice to sing when I get on the other side. <laughs> Uh, certainly, it, amazing grace is what saved me. I, that's the way we were all saved. Is that right? By the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus, we were saved. And so I never could sing here, so I thought maybe when I got over the other side, he let me sing that right good one. <laughs> and uh, I said to friends across the world, I said, now, when you go to look for me, uh, I'll be listening to the angelic choir, these great voices, the Sankeys and different ones who will be singing at that time on the other side. I sure love good singing. But one of the greatest things that I've ever had for enjoyment is meditation in the Word of God. To me, there's one thing that's fundamentally and one thing that's sure and one thing that's infallible. That's the Word of God. To me, all Christian must be based upon that one solid thing, the Word of God. 
That's the, that's the foundation. That's what we're here for tonight, is to fellowship around this Word and meditate upon God. Now, in our nation here, we have many times of uh, many psychologies and so forth, and we go through in denominations. But on the battlefield, in the heat of the battle, there's two things. Are you a Christian or are you not in the lands? Where you see, I was entertained here not long ago where I had my largest gathering I ever had, a half a million people in Bombay, India, 500,000 people in the meeting. And there that afternoon they entertained me by 17 different religions and every one of them denied Christianity. Now you can imagine how welcome I was there. But that night our precious Lord Jesus came in on the scene. I tell you, it, it showed who was God and who wasn't, you see, on the great challenge. We don't have to be ashamed of Christianity. We don't have to be ashamed or afraid of any of God's Word. It's every bit the truth. And God has, has sovereignly given us a promise of His eternal Word. And don't be afraid to trust it because I'm 46 years old and I've never seen a time that I ever, any time that I was afraid to hang my soul upon any phase of his word because it's the truth. Now before we open his book, let's speak to the author of this book while we bow our heads just a moment, if you will. Our kind and beloved Father, we come to thee humbly tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus, thy beloved child. We thank Thee from the depths of our heart for ever sending him to the earth to, to die in our stead, to take away our sins, and to give us this wonderful fellowship, one with another, while the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleansing us from all sin. And we pray, dear Heavenly Father, that tonight that you'll meet with us here and bless us together, for that's our effort, is to come together and have this time with you. We ask you to be merciful, to save the, the unsaved, and to those who are backslidden away from God, may they come home to thee sweetly, humbly, confessing their wrongs, and accept the Lord Jesus and say, Father, be merciful to me, like the prodigal that returned to the Father, and we're sure that he'll meet him halfway down the road and kiss him on the neck put a ring upon his finger and a robe on him and bring him in and kill the fatted calf and a great jubilee there'll be in that broken home when they come back to God. Grant it, Lord. Heal the sick and the afflicted. Help us all to be your servants. And now grant these things to us, Father, for we humbly ask them in God's appropriated way. Jesus said, while you're on earth to us, ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. Now, that's just all we need to do, Lord, is to believe that. We know that we don't have much confidence in earthly things, but this is heavenly things. A great blessing give us by the Lord Jesus to ask whatever we would in his name, and we'd be recognized in heaven, and what we ask would be given to us. And we do this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's so many good things and places in the Bible to start from to read. A person almost in a meeting is just at wit's end almost to find out uh, where to start from. Tonight, let's turn in the Gospel of Saint, uh, First John and read the, the first 
the five, fifth and the sixth verse, I believe, we'll take. And uh, I'll let's make it the sixth and seventh verse, and then we'll we'll speak a little on this subject. Just thinking tonight while we were speaking on fellowship, this reads a fellowship. If we say, listen closely to the word, for if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. What a wonderful scripture uh, we have here tonight under consideration. <clears throat> and this time of fellowship, that's why our meeting here tonight. I met with Brother Jackson. I didn't know him too well, but his little church has been faithful about every month, I believe, to send in uh, down to the church a little uh, missionary uh, offering to go overseas to the people. And that's where my heart yearns, is to get the, the meetings, the message to the people overseas. Did you know there's two-thirds of the people in the world tonight never once heard the name of Jesus Christ? Did you realize that? And a few weeks ago, a city in New Albany, Indiana, about a population of about 37,000, 38,000 people, that almost one-third of that population had never been in a church in their life? Think of that. One-third of the population, not, not overseas in Africa, here in the United States. Oh, it's a terrible thing to think of how that we have wandered away and taken things under consideration. Sometimes you ask the person, are you a Christian? Say, well, I'm American. Sure, I'm a Christian. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. A lady said, yeah, long ago, said, Mr. Bosworth said, Sister, are you a Christian? She said, I burn a candle every night. That don't mean you're a Christian. No, no. Are you a Christian? I belong to a certain, certain church. That don't mean you're a Christian. You're a Christian when you're born again of the Spirit of God. Then you become a Christian. People has longed for this wonderful thing of fellowship. The world tonight is hungry for fellowship. The nations are hungry for fellowship. People are hungry for fellowship. But we go at it in the wrong way. Now, tonight we, we think of what makes man long for fellowship. What makes that in your heart that you long to fellowship? You, my mother used to have an old proverb. She said, birds of a feather flock together. And that's a whole lot of truth. Birds of a feather. You don't see doves and crows together because they have no fellowship. Their, their diet is different. Their makeup is different. A crow's a scavenger. A dove couldn't eat that kind of food. He has no gall. He's not made up that way. And that's the way that the world and Christians cannot fellowship together. There's something different. You just can't do it. Because a man, when he once becomes a Christian, a born-again Christian, then the old things die and all things become new again. He becomes a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. But this great strain, a man longing for fellowship, we've tried to bring people together through the ages. 
Many times, educational programs has tried to unite people together by education. And standing in this auditorium tonight at this lovely school, I certainly wouldn't speak against education. But education is not the appropriated way for fellowship. You can't educate people to love one another. You think you can, but it takes a divine order to do that. There's no way to do it through education. And many times that we tried it through denominations of churches, denominating it, and each denomination builds up. The first one started was the Roman Catholic Church, about A.D. 600, and, or 300, rather. And it started the Roman Catholic Church. They started a denomination, and to make everybody in one denomination, it wouldn't work. There come the Reformation, Martin Luther. Then he brought all to Lutherans, tried to. It wouldn't work. Along come Wesley. He tried to make them all Methodists. It wouldn't work. Along come John Smith to make them all Baptists. It wouldn't work. Along come Alexander Camel to make them all Camelite Christians. It wouldn't work. Along come the others, the Presbyterians, and, the, and down into the Pentecostals, and the Nazarenes, and Pilgrim Holiness. But it doesn't work. Every nation is trying to get an atomic bomb now over rule and power to say all nations about my... It can't do it. But God laid down a program in the beginning how that man could have fellowship one with another. And we'll have to come to God's terms on it. That's all. In the beginning, when man used to walk in the early age with God in the Garden of Eden, when the first man was created in the great cathedrals under the palms, he and his wife, when the cool of the evening come along, they come out and worship God, had a perfect fellowship. God longs for fellowship. He yearns, he wants people to speak with him, to talk with him. You might do one, you might sing too much. Or you might uh, preach too much sometimes. But there's one thing you will never be able to overdo. That's pray. The Bible said, I would that man pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. You'll never be able to have too much fellowship with God. And God longs for his creature who he created in his image to fellowship with him. Wouldn't you love to live in that time when the great fellowship God had with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to come down in the cool of the evening and talk with them and fellowship with them? Wouldn't that be marvelous? We all would like to have that time. Now, I believe by God's Word I can prove to you that we can come right back on them terms again with God tonight. Right straight back to that kind of fellowship. In this meeting, I have thought of doing this. Many people have watched my life in the healing campaign how that the things would take place in the prophetic gifts and so forth. I'd just like to tell you how that's done. That's done through fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's that no other way, no other plan, no trick to it, just simply plain fellowship, taking God at his word. What he said was true, believing it. That just settles it. Then talk to him, love him, thank him for it, and that does it. Now, one day... Sin came along, and it separated man from fellowship with his Maker. Sin is the reason tonight that man doesn't fellowship with his Creator. Sin has separated him from his Maker. As soon as Adam sinned, 
and Eve sinned, the fellowship line was cut off, and they could no more fellowship. Adam hid himself out in the bushes, he and Eve, realizing that they were naked, not caring no more to fellowship because sin made the difference. That's what makes the difference tonight. The reason that people walk the streets and the church bells ring and a dozen people sitting in the front part of the pews or in the back part, rather, the day, the reason we're deteriorating in church members and the reason today that even the whole world deteriorating is because sin has separated us from God. That's right. A man, they have different programs and sign cards and pledges that they'll be loyal to this denomination, to that church, or come to Sunday school so many times in a year. That'll never work. I say that acoustic seems to be pretty strong. If some the engineer on that, if they'll cut it down just a little bit, that's a really a, a good acoustic, all right, in this building. So we find out that man must come back to his maker. Then, when Adam realized that sin had separated him, he became an alien, a wanderer, away from God without hope, wandering around in the, the garden, knowing that he was separated from God, knew that he didn't have fellowship no more. It made him a wanderer. And man, to this day, when the sin problem he still becomes a wanderer. He'll go to one church a while. He longs to have fellowship. He'll join the Methodist or the Baptist or the Pentecostal or some church. He'll, he'll go in there and he'll find imperfection in the church among the people. He'll leave this church and take his letter and go to another church. He'll go from church to church. He's a wanderer yet. Away from God. Now, there's surely there's some way on some basis that we can come back to God. God introduced it in the beginning, through the, not through joining church, not through membership, not through national uh, relationship, but through the shedding of blood. God brought man back into fellowship with himself. God laid out the welcome mat home to every sinner in the beginning in the Garden of Eden through the shed blood of an innocent beast, an innocent dying for the guilty which was in a shadow of the coming of the Lord Jesus. And the days that when we would really come back to the real, pure, divine fellowship again with Father. What a wonderful plan. That was a welcome mat that laid at the door. And when Adam and Eve realized that they had sinned and could not stand upon their self-made religion, they made themselves aprons of fig leaves, we're told. That's the way man is today. When he sins, he'll join church, he'll do something, he'll try to cover himself up, get out in a little better uh, group or try to belong to a little better society. All those things are man-made and cannot stand. They'll never work. You just might as well forget it. God wouldn't recognize it. And as Adam and Eve come down to the end of the road when they had to face God and realize they were naked, so will every man, woman, boy, or girl who trusts in anything less than the shed blood of Jesus Christ at the hour of your death, you'll realize that you're a sinner dying in the presence of God. Right? Very strong. But I don't believe we got too much time left here on earth to do what we have to do, the Christian church how it failed, and it's time to take off the gloves and preach the gospel. 
in the old-fashioned way. I believe it in the old-fashioned way. Now I realize that the day that we're living when watch parties are put throughout the United States to watch for secret planes coming in, that we're living at the end time. Most any time just one fanatic nation could set off a, a chain of relays of atomic power, hydrogen power that would destroy the whole entire annihilation of the earth in a few hours' time. I know the three cobalt bombs dropped over here in the Pacific Ocean and less than 24 hours the time the world could revolve around, there wouldn't be a, even an insect left on earth alive. No way to stop it. Them things could happen today, as we know in our own lovely state of Indiana, hunting a killer that was shooting the back of the neck and all these different things, and fanatic people like that. It's insane because they've been separated from the love of God. Anything could happen, and you know that. And we're living in a terrible time. And personally, not taking newspapers a lot more, which is all right, but going overseas and dealing up into the ranks of the people and seeing that every nation is trembling and shaking and they don't know what to do. All these earthly things has got to give away to the eternal things. A few years ago, many of you men here tonight, up in my age, probably big, strong, healthy man, you played football and basketball over floors like this and thought, my, what a good, strong body you had. And tonight your shoulders are bending, your hair is turning gray. Just a few years does this. What's the matter? You're earthly and you're going back to the earth. A few years ago your granddad sat under that great big stately tree out here with his big heavy limbs and the winds are blowing it and it would bow back and forth like that. The winds couldn't even shake it hardly. And today the limbs are breaking and falling off and a snag in the top of it. Why is it? The earthly has to give away for the eternal. Right. Look around today. Let's get back in history and find Greece and Rome and the great empires that raised up and great splendor in their kingdoms in that day. And every one of them have walked in their ruins of the street where they'd have to dig down 30 feet to find a relic of the great empires that that man push your chest out and rolled through chariots and things with halos as it was around their head or wreaths and thought they were someone, but today they're almost out of memory and the cities are sunk, the kingdoms are gone. And to our beloved America, someday will lay in the rubbish heaps of ruin and men who go out here and give their lives to try to bring people together in a fellowship like that when it's almost in vain. Today, the very foundations of our civilization has rotted out. You know that's true. Amen. Our great America, sure, we love it with all of our hearts, the greatest nation in the world. But yet she's on crumbling, sinking sands and every other nation because everything that's mortal will have to give away to the immortal. Every nation will have to give away. Every kingdom will have to sink. And everything of the world will have to give away to the immortal. Showing that they're coming immortal, how men strive and die and sweat and bleed for the mortal things because there's something you think I can come down, go back home and find my fellow man and shake his hand when they're in the battle and so forth and come back to start another war. And the first thing you know, that nation falls and is gone. In the ruins, what does it speak of? That there's coming a time, I believe soon at hand, when every nation will bow the knee to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and his power and glory. 
And those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall rise and meet him in the air. What a great time. Man ought to take consideration of these things. People, we walk around on the streets here in Sturgeon and all other cities of the world as if we were going to live here forever, not knowing what time God will require our soul in a spare of a moment. Oh, we should take inventory and check up quickly. And when we see the time of coming, one night this week or the Sunday afternoon, I want to speak on this junction time and prove that these great signs and wonders that you see taking place now is only the indication of the end of this age and the setting in of the millennium. It's right. But God's Word proves it and that makes it right. Amen. Don't mean to yell at you. These things are kind of uh, got a big voice. Notice, fellowship, God wanting to fellowship with man, always wanted to do it. The Old Testament, all of it was full of the shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, and where there's no remission of sin, there is no fellowship. You've got to get away from sin before you can ever have fellowship with God, because God can't fellowship with sin. So you're born to sinners, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies, and how can you ever do it? You just might as well quit right now to begin with. You can't do it within yourself, but there is one who died to bring you to fellowship. Back not only to fellowship, but relationship with God to make you sons and daughters of God. Died for that purpose, come here, prove yourself, Emmanuel. Omnipotence, when an omnipotence speaks, the miraculous happens. Let any man or woman, any divine promise of God, when omnipotence speaks from the Bible, the miraculous will take place where that seed sets root in the heart of the man or woman. It'll produce just exactly what the promise is, because it's a worthy omnipotence. It has to. Watch the fellowship. How Adam and Eve there turned away from God because of sin had separated them from that wonderful, marvelous fellowship, had to shift for himself. he become a wanderer, tossed about with every wind of doctrine, carried away. That's where he stands today. Out of fellowship, out of harmony, away from God, shifting for himself, he creates something in his mind and he believes that God was or something way back out or someday or something that used to be. But every man that ever comes under the shed blood in the presence of Jesus Christ and becomes born again recognizes God to be the same God today that he ever was creating. The same power, the same times, the same. He's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a place you can stand there. You can place you can have that fellowship. A place that you can know what you're talking about. It isn't gotten by joining churches. It isn't gotten by joining or burning candles or saying prayers or being very religious. It's got through the blood. God laid out the blood of the animal and said, This is the way home. How that in the Old Testament Israel always come on the basis of the shed blood of the innocent. Back out to Palestine, wherever the the Palestinians is gathered or, or worshiping, they would come to one place, and that would be to the temple. And in the temple where the sacrifice was made, the sacrificial lamb killed yearly, every man met in this temple under the basis of the shed blood of the lamb. 
He might serve God out in different places, but he fellowshiped and worshiped God under the shed blood. You see it, folks? Only the blood, nothing else. They didn't join church. There was nothing else but come and recognize how God brought them in back there when he journeyed them coming out of Egypt and brought the, introduced the sacrificial lamb again down there after 400 years in bondage. How he made a preparation, I believe in Exodus about the 16th, 19th chapter along there, of the red heifer. The red heifer was to be killed first. The red denoted Christ. Red also is a danger sign. And red is a sign of redemption. God brings redemption through the red blood. Rahab the harlot was redeemed by the scarlet thread that left down from her house. Red is a sign of danger and red is a sign of redemption. And let me give you a, a little bit of scientific something. You can take a red, purely genuine red glass and look through it at a red object and red through red looks white. Figure it out. God looking through the blood of Christ to a red sinner is white as snow. Though your sins be red like crimson, they should be white like snow. God knew what he was doing, and he looks through the blood of the innocent to the guilty that's bloody red, and he sees him white. Not because he's righteous, but because he's as accepted the righteousness of God through Christ and become reconciled back to fellowship again with God. Not because something that you do, some good deeds, that's all right. You do the good deeds because you are a believer. But that doesn't do it, the good deeds. Joining church is all right, but that isn't what does it. It's when you recognize that you're a sinner lost and the only way that God can see you righteous is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Then when he sees you through the blood of Jesus, he sees you as innocent as his own son Christ Jesus was. That's the gospel story, friends. Believe that, accept that, and worship through that. You can have what you ask for. God said so. Yes, sir. If ye abide in me in my word and you ask what you will and it shall be given unto you. There's the secret of it. There's the secret of that great life that's hid away in God that knows no fear where there's stormy weather, where the clouds are over, or whether the moon's not shining or the sun's not shining. They're still living in that Shekinah glory. Amen. There you are. The fellowship. Then the blood of this heifer. First she must be without a spot, without a blemish, speaking of Christ. Then she was to be killed in the evening time. And before the high priest, Eliezer, and that's the type of Christ, killed in the evening and before the high priest as he witnessed to the death. The red, as I spoke of, speaks of redemption. And then the high priest was to get her blood on his hands and go up to the door of the tabernacle and make seven stripes across the door with the dead heifer's blood. Speaking of the seven junctions or the seven church ages that's come, we'll get on that later in the week or a little later on, of the junction times and show that we're living right now in the seventh junction or epoch. We're at the end time. How that God's Word proves it and history follows it right down to the very shadow 
And the very revival that's sweeping the world today is the beginning of the end time. How that the high priest struck us over the door, then the heifer was to be burnt. Uh, uh, that's hoofs and all. And it made what they call the water separation. Then every time an Israelite had sinned, they had to be sprinkled with this water of separation. And it was to be kept in a clean place which speaks of the minister's heart. And the, the worshiper coming to the tabernacle for fellowship, if he had lost his standing with God and was away from God and an alien, the only way that he could have fellowship again was first come back to the outer courts and be sprinkled with the waters of separation, which speaks of the word. We're washed by the water of the word through the washing of the, by the water of by the word makes us a separated. The first thing the sinner does is come first and hear the word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the word of God. He becomes convicted that he's a sinner and he's without God no matter how long he's gone to church. That doesn't mean it. All these things has a spiritual meaning to them. Deeper than the natural things. Oh, who couldn't go out and let someone baptize him, which is all right. But water will never wash away sin. Who cannot stand up and have him sprinkle a little water on you? Anyone could. That doesn't do it. Who can stand up and make a cold, dried profession, say, I now believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Every devil in hell believes the same thing. That's right. But to really come into fellowship with God means to accept the blood and it's been applied to your heart by the baptism of the Holy Spirit by a new birth. Then you become a partner with God. Not a partner, but a son. And in relationship back with God again. My, that make Methodist shout. Think of that. How God's great program then... This man come up in the waters of separation, which was Christ's death, Christ's life, Christ's all, the Bible. And he was sprinkled with this water of separation. That didn't finish it. Hearing the word, he accepted it. Come and was sprinkled. That didn't make him any better. Then the next thing, he went towards the court. And when he got into the court, before he got inside... He had to recognize that there was blood over the door and some innocent substitute went before him to make a way for him. Every man that comes to Christ, it's good to come to the church. It's good to be baptized and so forth, which is all right. But every man coming into this divine fellowship of God has to recognize that before him went Jesus Christ with his own blood, sprinkled away and put the stripes over the door. As he went in, not like Aaron, with the blood of an animal, but with his own blood, he stands in the presence of God tonight, making intercession. That's why divine healing is possible. That's why miracles and miraculous is possible. That's why a revival is possible, is when man can recognize who went before them. When Christ went before them, died and rose again for justification. And is sitting there tonight at the right hand of God making intercessions upon our confession of anything that he died for in the atonement. He'll make it good. Oh, my demons tremble. Sinners come to life when they realize that that's the truth. 
just a handshake or a change of a letter will never do it. Or joining a church, that's all good. I have nothing against it, but that's not it. God never told Adam, come, let me put your name on a book. Or come back and let me shake your hand. He come through the book. And every man that ever comes into fellowship with God will come through the same thing. God has no substitute, nothing but the blood. He has no shortcut, no backup. You come God's way through reconciliation by the blood. Then become a son and daughter of God. Then all things are possible. Then miracles are possible. Then a revival is possible. I think the day that great men have swept this nation back and forth, Jack Shooters, Billy Grimms, many others just went over and over and over and over through the nation and go right back the same year and find the same group that he preached to just as far deluded in sin as he ever was. Because man can't save you. The man can only make an error call, but it's your individual of personal faith and trust in God to plunge beneath the blood and to be filled with His Spirit and uh, become a partakers of the divine. Not a partaker of the church, a partaker of the divine. The divine nature changing your own vile nature into a nature that loves God and believes every word that He said is the truth and accepting it as your own personal gift from God. When a believer comes like that, God gives him a checkbook for any redemptive blessing he died for and in Jesus' name the sign at the bottom of it. Are you afraid to fill it out? If you're afraid to fill it out, you're a coward. You never have come in contact with God, but you once get in contact with God and the Holy Spirit make Christ real to your heart. You're not afraid to touch God at His Word anytime or believe because you've been in contact with the supernatural. You've come back into fellowship. You've come back in reconciliation through the blood and believe God and know you, you've been in His divine presence. Notice, then this blood, the blood was laid over the door. Then every man or woman, boy or girl, before they could ever get into the congregational fellowship, had to come first be sprinkled with the, for their uncleansiness through the sprinkling of the waters of separation. They walked up there and recognized the blood that some innocent one died before them and went before them to make a way. Then they accepted that blood and come under its protection. Oh, my, what a picture. Come under the protection of the shed blood. Brother, I'm telling you, when you're there, you'll not argue with everybody. They should belong to your church. They'll be brothers to you as sure as I'm standing on this platform. Every man that's in Christ will look your brother to you. We won't have so much prejudice and strife. We won't have arguing against divine healing. We won't have arguments against old-fashioned revivals. We won't have them arguments. But all men will be brothers. Churches, denominations will never do it. Education will never do it. Enthusiasms upon worldly things will never do it. Nations will never do it. Atomic bombs will never do it. Only the blood of Jesus Christ will do it. And it's all sufficient to bring nations to their self. Not long ago when I was in Finland and that little boy as you've read in the books, many of you, being raised from the dead that afternoon there, and they brought me down to the hell sanky where they let 25,000 and dumped them out and make 25,000 more in. Now come for six city blocks down to there with an army of soldiers around you like that to keep the people from right and left. There stood great big communistic Russian soldiers with that Russian salute standing there and the tears running down their cheeks. They said, we'll accept a God like that who can raise the dead. Sure, it's been mis misrepresented to them. 
and the very fundamental fact that God called us to come to Him upon the basis of His shed blood and to preach the gospel and signs and wonders with power. We failed to do it. We've left off the very thing that He told us to do and we went out and built churches and organizations and everything which has failed, miserably failed, and they'll continue to fail and God will never recognize one of them. Not as I got anything against them, but brother, that ain't what does it. You can belong to any organization you want to. If you're a child of God, been born to the Spirit of God, accepted the blood of the Lord Jesus, and reconciled of God to the shed blood, then you can belong to any church you want to and be a Christian. That's right. But just belonging to the church without that, you're lost. You'll never recognize it. You'll never recognize you can be so lulled under that thing. That's a poison thing. Amen. Notice. Reconciliation. The believer once coming beneath that blood. After he's been sprinkled, faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word. He realizes it. Then he walks up to that blood and he recognizes, Oh, righteous God, I'm a sinner. I don't belong in there. But I've been sprinkled. My heart, conscience clean with the sprinkling of the word. And I believe now that you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I recognize his blood went before me. Then the Holy Spirit comes down and a miraculous power transforms your life and picks you up and brings you into the inside of the veil. And there you have fellowship with God and commune with Him as Adam did in the beginning of the Garden of Eden. Jesus' death only, if it only took away part sin, if it ever taken away, some people say, well, you should live a better life. Turn a new page. It's just New Year's. Oh, how many resolutions did you make and already broke them? It'll never work. It's a dying out and a rebirth, a regeneration, a new, new creature in Christ Jesus. That's what the world needs today. That's what the church needs today is an old-time apostolic, God-shaking, Holy Ghost revival. Right. I don't mean in a bunch of fanaticism. I don't believe in a bunch of emotional worked up, but I mean a real, true, blood-born salvation that sets man free from sin and makes him a new creature in Christ. Amen. You know that's the truth. Come upon those bases. Come to God like that and see what happens. Recognize the Lord Jesus Christ as your superior. Recognize that you're dead and your life is hidden in Him to God and sealed in ever the Holy Ghost. And walk up to Father. You become a part of God. The very nature of God's in you. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You, you wouldn't argue against divine healing. You wouldn't argue against any miracle God would perform. God made the world without even anything to make it out of. What did he do? There was no world, no firmament, no nothing. God spoke and said, let there be. And the very earth that you're setting over tonight is the created God's word come into existence. Amen. Amen. Speak that within your heart and the lady will get out of the wheelchair and walk away. Let that saying that pair of crutches will lay there on the seat tonight. Let the omnipotent speak. Watch the miraculous take place. What's a man there? Maybe it's a far beyond them. And people may be Christians, solid and sound in Christ. I don't know. Let the man that's an alien, let the man that's been at church for 40 years and yet don't know Jesus Christ in a new birth, let him recognize that and watch what a difference it makes in his life. Look how a new creature rises up here in the midst of you when he recognizes himself dead in his life, hitting God through Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Watch what takes place. Sure, we got to recognize that. A man does that, and by recognition of that, then someone wrote to me not long ago, and all of you know I'm a Baptist. All right. 
And a man wrote to me and said, Brother Branham, you being a Baptist and teach something besides faith, said, how in the world can a man do anything but believe? Said, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And what more could a man do? I said, that's right. Father Abraham believed God and it was imputed for righteousness. But, but he gave him the circumcision as a sign that he had recognized his faith. That's right. If God has never circumcised your heart from the things of the world and recognized your faith that you confessed in Him maybe 40 years ago and cut off the worldly things and circumcised you from all the earthly things and the doubts and scruples that you have, something's happened. Your faith wasn't recognized before God for He would have cut away the surplus. Circumcision means to cut off surplus flesh. That's what God does when a man comes to Him upon the basis of the shed blood of Christ standing before Calvary recognizing himself condemned. And standing there with a word in his heart, saying, God, I believe that God manifests his power and love to him and cuts away the things of the world. And you're no more a worldly creature. You're a heaven-bound son and daughter of God. On the letter of glory. Amen. I'm not amening myself, but amen means so be it. And I know that's the truth. It worked on a poor Irish sinner like me, and it'll work on you or anybody that comes. I've seen it work on... Uh, 40 or 50 different nations of the world. And I know it'll work on every creature that will come. Upon the basis of the shed blood, certainly recognizing yourself dead, recognizing you are an alien, only not my church or what I've done or what I will do or what a good fellow I've been, what I am in my community, but what I am, I am a sinner and no good. And I recognize God's Son to be my propitiation for my sins and I've accepted it. Then God, by the Holy Ghost, takes you into fellowship with Him. And then you talk with the Father again, like Father Adam did in the beginning. Then, of course, you'll believe divine healing. Divine healing is nothing but an attribute of sin. Before we had any sin, we didn't have any sickness. Sickness is a result of sin. And you can't deal with sin without dealing with sickness. A fine scholar said to me not long ago, said, Brother Branham, do you believe that divine healing was in the atonement? I said, I couldn't preach it if it wasn't. He said, then if divine healing was in the atonement, there would be no more pain. I said, my brother, do you believe there's temptation? Sure, there's temptation. Now, if there's temptation, there can be pain. Certainly there can. Certainly. It's up to you or your personal faith in God that does it. Now, these guys going around calling themselves divine healers and saying they got power to do these things, I don't believe it. I certainly do not. There's no scripture for that at all. There's only 12 apostles had that. But we are ordained ministers of God to preach the righteousness of Jesus Christ and His atonement. For He was wounded for our transgressions and with His stripes we were healed. It's your personal faith in a risen Lord Jesus who stands tonight just as live as He ever was. Get a little while in the world see me no more. Yet you shall see me for I'll be with you. I have a personal pronoun. I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Only exalted the cross in the Lord Jesus Christ. And your personal faith in that finished work at our Calvary will make every demon shake. I know it to be the truth, friend. I'm not standing here as an imposter. I'm not standing here as a deceiver. I'm standing here knowing what I'm speaking of. And you know the truth, every one of you, that's been born again in the Spirit of God. That's to the shed blood alone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The old Salvation Army used to sing that song, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other path I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's the one. That's the only one. Not my church, not my friends, not my neighbors. They're all fine, but I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
I was once blind. They led me by my arms, and now I can see. Oh, may always give me up say just a few hours, and you'll be gone. And tonight I'm in better health than I ever was in my life after five years of rolled by. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. I remember my church when I told the gentle overseer that the angel of the Lord had appeared. He said, you with the seventh grade education will pray for kings? I said, that's what he said. He said, go home. You had a nightmare, Billy. But I didn't. I met Christ. Hallelujah. He changed my life. He changed me. I become, and I did pray. Got a letter from the king of sweet, uh, Denmark the other day. He said, Brother Branham, come over and pray for our people this summer. Oh, my. Great man. You know what? Great men seem like little men when you meet them. They make you think you're great. It's these guys that's little. It wants to be big is the kind that you find it's all scrupled up up here. That's right. Thinking there's something when you're nothing. Brother, what are any of us but six foot of dirt out yonder? And someday our soul's got to meet God and without the shed blood upon it, it'll be condemned and sent to hell, a devil's hell, and a separation from God forever. Wake up and come to the realization that this might be your last opportunity to receive Christ. Think of it. Other things will take place when you get the right thing first. You can't build up on top of the ladder for your first round. You've got to start at the bottom and come up to it. That's the way revivals have to begin. That's the way healing campaigns have to begin. That's the way all things have to begin. Begin from the bottom. Build up for anything else is worked up emotion and mental. We got too much of it today. Even psychologists coming to me to be prayed for mentally broke down. There you are. What's the matter? Nothing but the blood of Jesus will take care of the thing. <clears throat> Amen. Notice. Look close now. Oh, Job, the oldest book in the Bible, he recognized and accepted the shed blood and stood pat on it. Firm, solid foundation. Though all the shackles of hell shuckle around him and everything else, but he never feared him. He walked straight right into the mouth of death, believing in the shed blood. When his church members come to him and said he had secretly sinned and he was a secret sinner, Job knew that he had offered a sacrifice and confessed his sins and he stood firm on God's provided program of the shed blood. He knew he hadn't sinned. And after he stayed so firm till he lost his children, he lost everything he had, his camels, his sheep, all of his goods, everything he had lost, and he realized that he still was a sinner. He was righteous in the sight of God. When Elihu, the little prince, came down from the east and began to tell him that he ought to accuse God of these things and began to tell him he was a secret sinner, but told him of a just one who was coming. Job would look at the flowers. He'd see them die and go into the ground. Springtime, they come up again. He said, man, lay it down. He giveth up the ghost. He wastes away. Where is he? Springtime, he don't rise again. He watched nature. That's how we get the Indians, how we get the, the pagans, is watch nature. All this stuff that they preach, it's unstable. Then we come to find out that Job watched it. And God sent Elihu down there and told him just what would take place. Notice, look what's taking place. He said, you've watched that flower. In other words, the flower didn't sin. Therefore, it comes up in the springtime. The tree blows down. A new tree comes up in its place. But man layeth down. He giveth up the ghost. He wastes away. Where is he? Oh, thou would hide me in the grave until the wrath be passed. When Elihu began to explain to him about it, he said, I know you sin, man of sin, all man of sin and otherwise, but there's coming one, a just one, who can stand in the breach between a sinful man and a holy God, put his hands on both and breathe away. At that time, there'll be a difference. 
Job being a prophet caught the vision when this washing of the water by the sprinkling of the blood of the sprinkling of the water of separation upon him when he heard the word coming from Elihu his heart caught it because he was a prophet he stood up the thunders roared the lightning began to flash across the skies the prophet got into the spirit that's the only way the church is ever going to catch a vision of what to do when they get in the spirit of it what we need today is the good old fashioned revival times again you go to dances and kick your feet and do all kinds of ungodly looking things and swing the girls over the top of their heads and on televisions and things which ought to be censored and put off this television program. Right. And you carry on all kinds of nonsense in the name of civilization and going back to beyond pagans what they would do. You know that's truth. Right. But you think it's civilization. It's a mark of 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 not civilization. It's a mark of, of uh, deterioration instead of civilization. Sure it is, the minds of men have become deteriorating. Things are happening. But when Joel, being a, in the Spirit, he caught the vision of the coming just one, and he shook himself and stood up saying, Where my Redeemer liveth? At the last days he'll stand on this earth, though the skin worms destroys this body, yet in my flesh I'll see God! whom I shall see for myself, mine eyes shall behold and not another. We brought nothing into the world, and it's certain we take nothing out. How that God wanted that man. Then he seen the coming of the Lord Jesus and recognized it. But why? He stood firm and pat on the shed blood of the innocent sacrifice, knowing that there's nothing good in him, but he knew who he had believed. As Paul said, I know who I have believed and persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Out yonder sets a big channel before each one of us. It's a great dark channel hanging yonder. Each time our heart beats, we go one step closer to it all the time. After a while, it'll take its last beat and we've got to go in there. It's a place called death. It's set before every mortal. i got to go to, I don't know when my last beat will be here. But when it comes, I want to do this. I want to go in knowing this, that I know him in the power of his resurrection. That when he calls from among the dead, I'll be called out from there. Not long ago, an insurance agent was at my house. Nothing against insurance. But he said, Billy, I want to sell you a policy. I said, I got insurance. You know, I didn't have any insurance earthly. I said, I got insurance. My wife looked around at me and said, what's, what's that? I said, I have insurance. He said, Billy, what kind of insurance you got? I said, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Oh, salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. He said, Billy, that's all right. I recognize that, and that's good. I, I don't, I, that's all right. But said, Billy, that'll not put you in a graveyard up here. I said, but it'll take me out, brother. I ain't worried about getting there. I'm worried about getting out of there is the main thing. I'll get there somehow. Now, come out. Because of this blessed assurance, Jesus made the promise. I believe it with all my heart. Let's turn our camera for the closing moments now, a moment. Let's go back to Eden again. I can see little Eve standing there. I was standing not long ago down, went over Mars Hill down to Athens, and I was watching a, a picture there that some Grecian artist had painted of the creation. It was an indebtedment to Christianity. There stood Eve, the harvest looking beast you ever seen. Oh, my, I never seen such a looking person as, as Eve. And there was Adam with hairs out of his nose, way out like that, and looked like some kind of a prehistoric giant. No such a thing as that. Anybody would do that. It's got a deluded mind, a perverted mind. They don't know God. 
Eve was the most beautiful woman ever on the earth. She's God's perfect, horrible woman. And Adam was the most perfect man that lived. When he was made manifest in Christ, proved it. There he stood, I can see Adam. Great, big, manly shoulders, his big muscles in his legs, his shaggy hair hanging around his neck. I can see Eve, beautiful, her blonde hair hanging down her back, her eyes as blue as the skies and sparkle like the stars. She didn't have to use any matte factures to make her pretty. No, sir. No, sir. Seeing what did that. Look, brother, she's made in God's image. She's made after the image of man, after God had created her. Beautiful, never to die, never to get old, never to wrinkle, to sparkle, never to go out of the eyes. She is to be beautiful forever. Neither would Adam's shoulders ever shag or hair turn gray or any deterioration to him, walking perfect with friendship and fellowship with the Father. What a beautiful picture. Then when sin entered in and God seen that they had sinned, he, before he could even pass judgment, he had to go kill an innocent lamb or beast and throw the skins back there to cover up to make a substitutionary death provided for the worshiper to come to him. And Adam and Eve standing in his presence. I can see little Eve and beautiful eyes now after sin had set in. Tears filled them and they run down her cheek. I can see Adam with those strong eyes as he looked across the Eden and those soft winds of blowing where he had to make the beast to obey him and the winds and the waves to obey him. Everything else had to obey him. He had full rulership over everything here on earth. He realized he had lost his fellowship with God. Tears the showing that he was mortal now dripped off at his face and run down over his bosom and dripped off on Eve's head. I can see her look up and say, Adam, I'm the cause of it, dear. Now, Adam was not deceived. No, sir, Adam was not deceived. Adam knew just exactly what he was doing. But Eve was deceived. And Adam did not go out because he had transgressed. He had not. He, was dece- he wasn't deceived. He didn't go out because of being deceived. He went out because he loved his wife so well, he went with her. A very beautiful type of Jesus Christ, knowing no sin, but went to hell and took our place to redeem his wife, the church. Don't get mistaken in that now, mixed up. See, Adam was not deceived. Timothy 3, he was not deceived, but Eve being deceived was in the transgression. That's right. Adam went with her. To be with her. And Christ came down from heaven, the immortal God, and was made flesh and dwelt among us here. To be one of us, to die as a sinner at Calvary, to redeem us back to fellowship with God again. It's a beautiful story. He didn't have to do it, but he did it because of his love for the church and lost humanity. I can see him as he turned away from God there. I can see Adam as he starts walking away. And Eve, his arm around Eve, as they started out through the Garden of Eden, and great Jehovah God standing there. I can see all the great endless eternities. Not long ago, I had the privilege of looking through that scope out under Mount Palmer, that I could, Mount Wilson, I could see 120 million years of light space. And beyond that is still space. And I wonder how endless is the eternity. And yet God, who covered all space and eternity, I can see him bottled down to four little letters, L-O-V-E. He just couldn't stand to see his children be turned away, to be a wanderer, to be a shifter about, and nothing to care for them. And now look, I see him by sovereign grace. When God makes a covenant with man, man will break it every time. 
He always did, but God there made a covenant in Himself, never said, if you will or something or other, I will put enmity, promising a Savior between her seed and Satan's seed. And now let's look, 4,000 years has passed, and all the time a shadow of the blood through the offering of sheep and goats and so forth, which could not take away sin, but just covered it up. Now we're down 4,000 years later. Let's turn our camera around this way to 4,000 years later. Let's pull up the shade this morning. We're in Palestine. We're in Jerusalem. I hear the office racket outside. What is it? Oh, it's a mob. Some way this way and some that way. What is it? There comes a great high priest, his turban on top of his head. Here comes the other priest. Away with such a thing! Away with such a thing! I hear a little woman called Magdalena run out in front and said, What has he done? Nothing but healed your sick and done good. What do you accuse him of? How can you condemn him? He's done nothing. Someone slap her and say, Would you believe that woman instead of your priest? Chuck her out of the way. I hear something drag and I look. There comes an old rugged cross dragging down over them cobblestones. I see this meat wearing off of his shoulders as he pulled along with a crown of thorns over his face here and a blood balkery stiff hanging down his face and his seam mocking it. Strip, go to strip him in a few minutes so they'd throw his robe over him, wove out without a seam that they'd woven for him, Martha and Mary. And here he comes dragging the cross down, staggering it, bleeding, making a bloody footprint to the only place that God will ever recognize a weary sinner to come, coming by the footprints of the Lord Jesus through the shed blood. Here he goes down to the street pulling the cross up the hill he goes down he falls Simon Serena colored man come help him pack it along watch him I look on his back look across that white robe he's got around his shoulders I see there's little red spots all over his robe wonder what that is as he moves on up the hill them spots begin to get bigger and bigger bigger and bigger all while I see them all go into one great big bloody splash now I hear something Going, what is it? It's the second Adam, the one without sin, come to take sin, come to redeem us from what first Adam did, come to redeem us back to fellowship, shedding his own blood. And as he's going up the hill, death beaking at him, just staying around his face. Did you ever see a bee? A bee staying at him like that? But insects of the earth have stingers. But we're taught that if a bee ever stings you real deeply once, that settles it forever, that bee. When he flies away, he leaves his stinger there. He can't sting no more. And the bee of death who had helped man in captivity for 4,000 years under fear was stinging around him. He was just about ready to be stung. And after a while, that that's bee anchored his stinger down in there. But when he went away, he pulled his stinger out. And today a believer can walk right in the face of death saying, Oh, death, where is thy sting and grave? Where is thy victory? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death has no sting no more to the believer. No, sir, he walks right straight into the presence of God when there's building a block out there. I was in that little old chamber there where they cut St. Paul's head off here about a year ago, pitched him over there in a sewer for him to wash out that great power of God standing there writing those epistles. I couldn't help but my heart trembling and right down there where they said Peter was buried in my such Tommy Rock. And there in that place where St. Paul was beheaded, 
where is in there? And they said, all right, Paul, you, you get the end of the road. He said, oh, death, where is your sting? So there's a grave waiting for the grave. Where is thy victory? But thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The Lord, the righteous judge, will give me it that day. Not only me, but all those who love his appearing. Why did he know it? Why did he know it? He had followed those bloody footprints as a murderer himself, as a persecutor of the church. He walked up as a religious man and renounced everything that he had ever done. All of his righteousness he told to each side like that and fell at the cross and recognized the blood of Jesus Christ, the only appropriate way for sinners to reach God. And there was reconciled to God through faith and God giving him the Holy Spirit when he's baptized there at the river Damascus, went out in Egypt for three years and come back preaching the faith that he once locked up. That's why he'd come God's provided way. And tonight, my friend, there is a provided way for you. There's a provided way for these sick people sitting here. It's come maybe the members of my brother's church. That's maybe he's prayed for him. I don't know. I can't tell you. But they, there's a way provided for you in your sickness also. There's a way provided for you here that's sick and afflicted. There's a way provided for you sinners, for you backsliders, for you lukewarm. There's a way provided. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us into full fellowship with God. And you talk about an old-fashioned revival breaking out through this city here. You could have a real revival if you'd only recognize that for everything you have need of tonight. It's all finished at Calvary. Salvation's finished Reconciliation was finished. Divine healing was finished. Everything that you have need of in earth's journey was finished at Calvary. Have you got the faith tonight to walk up there to the face of Calvary and say, Father, I now ask in Jesus' name for my soul or for whatever it is and recognize that God has promised that He'd give whatever He promised. Ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We have fellowship one with another. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, coming to the close of these few remarks tonight over this platform here in the school auditorium, oh God, I can think of St. Paul preaching that same type of gospel, the blood of Jesus Christ, to a boy who fell and killed himself, and he laid his body over him, he come back to life. Oh God, you're the God of the prophets. Thou art not deaf, neither are you blind. Neither you without understanding. You know every heart. You know every move. You said you even knew the sparrows when they fell to the street. Not one of them could fall without the Father recognizing. The God in here tonight may be young men or women, may be old men and women. I know them not, Lord. But without coming through God's provided shed blood there at Calvary, come and recognize that and be born again by the Spirit of God, they're lost, Lord. Tomorrow may never come. The sun may never rise again. This may be the last night. This may be the last time. If it is, Father, thou know who knows the hearts of man. I pray that you'll let that person tonight recognize he's standing in the presence of Calvary's cross and the sacrifice hanging there for him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Grant it, Father. And while we have our heads bowed, our eyes closed, I wonder tonight, while we're in the building, if there would be one person here tonight that's an alien from God that would just say, not to me as a minister, but to Jesus as your Creator, if you'd raise your hand say, God, be merciful to me. Remember me in prayer, Brother Branham, in this service, that God will give me the experience that you're talking about tonight. Will you raise your hand? Is there a person anywhere in the building that would raise up your hand? 
If you're Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, no matter what you are, if you're short of the blood, it's up to you, friend. Will you raise your hand and say, pray for me, Brother Branham. I now here raise my hand to Almighty God that I really want to be born again and become in fellowship with God. I've always wondered why my prayers wasn't answered, why I couldn't get nowhere. I've lived a halfway life upside down and in and out and around. I just look like I can't get nowhere, Brother Bram. And uh, it looks like I pray, but God won't answer my prayer. What's the matter? You're out of fellowship. Jesus said, you ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. He said, if you abide in me in my word and you ask what you will. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall never come into condemnation, never no more condemned, but has passed from death unto life. You are recognized tonight that you'd like to be in that place and we want to be remembered in a word of prayer while we close. Would you raise your hand right quickly now? God bless you, sir. Someone else. God bless you, little fellow. God bless you. That's good. Someone else. Will you recognize? God bless you, sir. That's fine. Just keep your heads bowed and raise your hands. God bless you. That's good. Or it's somebody in the balcony along. Would you raise your hand and say, Brother Branham, honestly, I, I don't live a right life. God knows that. And I, I, I try to. I want to. You're honest-hearted, brother. You're honest-hearted, sister. And look, don't die in that shape, oh honey. If you die in that shape, you, you're lost. Now's the day of salvation. This is the time. You say, I've joined churches. I've done everything, Brother Branham. But still, I just can't get that fellowship that I want. I just can't seem to... Know when I kneel on my knees that Jesus is standing there and I love him and, and he talks to me and then I ask him anything and see him turn right around and do it for me. I wish I could live that kind of life. Wish I could live that close to him. I want to, Brother Branham. And I raise my hand to God and he sees me and may he bring me into that fellowship. Some four or five hands has been up. Will someone else raise your hand, if you will, say, I too, Brother Branham, want to be remembered in this closing prayer that you, uh, God will bring me into this fellowship. Is there a backslider here to say, Oh, God, be merciful to me. I want to come back to the church. I want to come back to God and live the life that I once lived. I'm away from God now. Talked to an old woman the other day. A poor old thing. She told me she was a member of a fine church and how the woman didn't know who I was. Then there she started cursing and carrying on. I said, Shame on you. And she looked at me and I had an old pair of overhauls on. And when I told her I was a minister, she looked at me and laughed at me. And I said, Well, you ought to know me. I said, I'm Brother Branham. And she started crying. She put her hands in mine and said, Brother Branham, I'm ashamed of myself. I was once a Christian, but I've wandered away. I said, oh, pray for me that God will make me a Christian again. I said, certainly, sister, right now we could do that. Now, will you just be that much and say, now, God, right here in the church where we've dedicated for church service, would you raise your hand and say, God, be merciful to me because I went away from God? How many here is not born again? You go to church, but you know you're not born again. Would you raise your hand and say, remember me, Brother Branham, to God because I'm not born again. I haven't the Holy Spirit. I go to church, but when it comes to that close fellowship with God, I don't have it. I need to be born again. But yet I go to church, but I want you to pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Anyone in the building? Now remember, friend, this I don't know you. God does. See, a little crowd here, a couple hundred people or more sitting in here tonight. It won't be long. There's men in here and women. It's age. Your hair's gray. Nature proves that you're not going to be here very long. You know that. With all sincerity. That's right. And look at these. Some young people here will be gone before you. Look at little babies. This brought me one with leukemia and another and all my polio and everything else. See, you don't know when you're going. Death's no respecter of person. So if you're not correctly right with God before we go into these other two nights of service, let's raise our hands and say, God, remember me. I'm in need of you. All right. 
Now, just keep your head bowed. About five hands went up. Now, our kind Heavenly Father, realizing that we're just mortal man, that there's not much that we can do about it. We're mortal. We're just man. But thou art God. You can do the supreme. You can do the, the great powers, Lord. You have them all under your control. And now these people has come down through the snow to sit here tonight to listen to the story, the simple story of the cross and God's provision, how to bring them back and make them sons and daughters of God. They've come with sincerity of their heart and they are gathered here in the building tonight. I pray, Father, they had courage to raise their hands. And I don't know, Lord, but I believe there was many more should have done it. And, Father, I pray that through the mercies of Christ that you'll not let one of them be lost. It's set here tonight. May they, in this, from this very hour on in their heart, make a decision just now. And where the appropriated blood of Jesus has been made sufficient to take care of all their sins, I pray that you'll grant it, Lord, this very night. And may they become in close fellowship with thee insomuch that you'd recognize them as your sons and daughters and kiss the seal of the Holy Ghost upon their heart until divine love will sway their hearts out of this worldly conglomeration of gaiety and mess and devil-possessed things that we have on this earth to the heavenly things which is soon coming out of the day of man into the coming of the day of the Lord. Grant it, Father, we pray through Jesus' name. And with your heads bowed, I wonder if anybody won't be remembered in prayer night for sickness. Would you raise up your hand and say, remember me and sick. I'm sick. One... Two, three, four hands. All right. Let's put our heads down. Heavenly Father, we pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus, these people here that's sick and needy, oh God, grant that before these little three services will close, that there will not be a feeble person in our midst. May they be shouting the praises of God and walking down the streets and seeing their doctors dismiss them and saying, No need of coming anymore. Something's happened. Grant it, Lord. Your all-sufficient program, Lord, your blood is all-sufficient tonight to heal every one of them, and I pray that you'll grant it. Let thy mercies rest upon each and every one of them. I pray through Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, while we raise our heads to the pianist, if you'll come to the piano, come here, brother, if you will. How many loves the Lord Jesus? I see you raise your hand. Did you ever sing this old song, I Love Him? Did you ever hear it sing? All right, give us a little, you know, give us a little chord on it. I'm not a singer now, but let's, let's try to sing it. I love him. I love him. I love him. Because he first loved me. Shake hands with your neighbor. Say, God bless you. Somebody said, me. love him because he first loved me and purchased my salvation on Now with your hands up in the air. Now bow your head, close your eyes, be in prayer. Our God, I want you to come in. Can I bow your head?